um, last month was all about focus, right? Uh, if you were with us at all in the last month, you know that we, we talked about focus. We took um, our two services, put them into one service. It was crazy. It was fun. Um, wasn't it cool to meet? You met people for the first time. You're like, oh, you go to the other service. You're, it's amazing. I loved it. But we talked about this, the one thing, right? The focus, the one thing that we're called to do. Does anybody remember what's the one thing that we're called to do? Make chocolate cake, right? Make, make disciples, right? We're supposed to make, make disciples who then make disciples who then make disciples. And so we just call that make disciplers. It's a shorter word. We made it up so you don't have to say all this stuff every single time. So that's the focus. Now, here's the thing. That kind of, a, we, I know last week we wrapped it up with focus calls for response, right? We talked about, hey, it's good to talk about it, but we got to do something. But the reality is this. This is such an epic, life-altering truth. Like, our whole job as believers is to make disciples. That's such a huge statement that we kind of want to take the next few weeks and just kind of do a, like a follow-up, like a, a bigger now what type of a series. And so we're calling this um, in, Into the Water. Here's why. I spent so many years, I mean, I love, I love pastoring, okay? So it's a great job. But my all-time favorite job un- until this one was lifeguarding. I loved, and it wasn't, wasn't just lifeguarding because I could tell stories of stories of weird stuff I've seen in pools, but, and maybe we'll get to some of that, but it was teaching swimming lessons. I loved teaching swimming lessons. I just loved having kids in the pool, just being around the water. I loved it. I, was, I worked at the Y, then I worked at a Baden Country Club, just something about pools, water, beach, just all that. I, I love it. But what I remember the most, first as a lifeguard, was watching poor old dad, right, Standing in the water, jump. Come on, you can do it. And it's the kid with the swimmies and rocking back and forth. And like, you know, they'd step up to the edge and they'd step away and they'd step up to the edge. And like, you know, dad's just like a statue. You can, I'll catch you, I'll catch you. And they would never jump, right? And then I became a parent. And I thought, like, is there anything worse than standing in three feet of water? Jump. Because, you know, you don't have the body for it, right? You know, it's like, jump. And it's like, dude, like, dude, do some ab work or something, right? There is one thing worse. It's in the deep end, at the diving board, treading water. Because then it's like, jump, jump, jump. <laughs> I'm going to die, right? We don't want to be that church, do we? We don't want to talk a lot about disciple-making this is our one thing, and we get up to the edge, and we're like, okay, God, and God's like, come on, let's just go do it, and we're like, thinking about it, right? Here's what we're learning, is that it's a lot safer on the shore, but we weren't made for that. This is what we're made for. We're made to jump. That's what you're made for, all right? That is... (laughs) <laughs> it's what you're made for. Now, you know what? Just look at that picture. I thought of something worse than being a dad catching a little girl. It'd be a dad catching him. Wouldn't it? That'd be the only th- jump. Oh, you're dead. This is what you're made for. We, we weren't made to talk of big things, dream of big things. We were made to jump into big things. We're made to go into the water. 
So that's what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. Uh, this morning, we're going to be in Ezekiel chapter 47. I know some of you, um, you're not always familiar with where things are in the Bible. If you've got an actual Bible like this, you can turn to Psalms, and then like about a, about a half of an inch to the right, you'll be somewhere near Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 47. We're going to just talk about water. We're going to talk about a river. Um, it's an interesting passage in Ezekiel 47 where like there's this, um, you ever had a leak in your house? I know... Um, Bridget would kill me for saying this, but yesterday she was filling up a sink and she walked away and just forgot that she was filling up a sink. So the sink then filled up the room, right? And she went back and it's like water everywhere. This is kind of what's happening in this passage. I mean, Bridget's not in this passage, but, you know, what we'll see here is there's this trickle of water and it starts kind of small and it gets bigger and bigger, and it eventually becomes a river. And that's what we're going to be reading. That's what we're going to be looking at. We're in Ezekiel chapter 47. The question that I want to answer this morning is this. What does this river bring? What does this river bring? Verse 40, chapter 47, verse 1, here's what it says. The man, we're picking this up in the middle of, of, a, of a vision. I don't know if you ever had a, a vision. Um, th- this is not because Ezekiel ate pizza late at night. He's having a vision from God, and here's what it says. The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, and I thought, Miss Bridget is in there filling a sink. No. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate, led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east, and the water was flowing from the south side. As the man went eastward, right now you're thinking, I wish I had my compass app. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to my waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. And he asked me, Son of man, do you see this? And then he led me back to the bank of the river. Verse 7, when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah where it enters the sea. And when it empties into the sea, the water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river goes. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Verse 10, fishermen will stand along the shore. From En Gedi to En Eglium, there will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food, and their leaves for healing." That's a lot of stuff going on there, okay? So let's just try to break this down. What are some things that the river brings? And maybe first of all, what is the river, right? Um, I mean, I've rafted the Nantahala. I've rafted the Ocoee. Lots of fun in the river. But that's not the river we're talking about, right? And so what is this river? Can we just summarize it like this? We know that it comes from the throne. We know that it comes from the temple. So I'm just going to say this. I think that this river is the presence of God. This river flows, the presence of God flows out from his throne, from out from the temple, and this represents his presence. So what what does his presence bring? 
What does the river of God bring? I, I've thought of at least five things. There's probably more, but here's a couple that you can jot down. The river brings change. Everybody take a deep breath. It brings change, right? This is that word that we, we hate. Nobody really, we want change until we try to change, and then we're like, Ugh, and we go back to like, you know, you buy new clothes, right? Because somebody that loves you says what you're wearing is terrible. You've been wearing it for years, and so I bought you some new clothes. Enjoy. And you put them on, you know, you don't breathe for days, right? And then eventually you're right back into the old jeans because they're comfortable. Change is hard. But I love what it says here. That First he goes ankle deep, then knee deep, then waist deep, then over my head deep. I love that the angel led him to deeper places and didn't push him to deeper places. I don't know if we have a lot of pushers here or not. It's hard to make people change, isn't it? I love that God leads us to change. He leads us to deeper places. I love that he says at the end of that, it was a river that was so powerful he could not cross it. Let me, let me ask you this question. Are you willing, especially in light of last month, just talking about making disciples, thinking about how that could impact your life, are you willing to allow God to move you into places where you would be uncomfortable? I love what Banning Leapshire says. He started Jesus Culture. He says, leadership is a call to being overwhelmed. Are you willing to allow God to overwhelm you, to lead you to places where maybe your feet don't quite touch the bottom and the river's wild? When was the last time that you were simply overwhelmed by the power and goodness of God? The river brings change. Uh, the river brings life. Just make a real quick note. Verse 6, he says, Son of man, do you see this? And then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. Verse 9, swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. The end of that verse says, where the river flows, everything will live. Most of us, okay, most of us. Well, not... Those of you that grew up in church, if you ever grew up in church, if you ever had those services where like, just you're like, man, God showed up, it was amazing, just the presence of God, worship was fantastic, maybe the preacher didn't even preach, it's just you sense the presence of God, and you say to yourself things like this, I don't ever want to leave this place. You know what's crazy about what we just read? Is that the angel led Ezekiel to deeper places, and then took him back to the shore. Like... We're not supposed to stay there. There's something else to do. He brings them back to the shore. And he says this, that there's life everywhere the river flows. It's impossible to be anywhere near the presence of God and be dead. It's impossible. Because everywhere the presence of God flows, there's life. And, and not just a little bit of life. Swarms of creatures live where the river flows. We've got, we got this presence of God, right? He brings us change. It brings us life. It brings souls. We learned last month that we're called to be um, fishers of men. It's more than like Easter presentation lyrics, right? Fishers of men mean that Jesus said, hey, you fish for fish. But like, look, I'm going to make you fishers of men. You come follow me, and I'm going to teach you how to be a disciple who wins people and makes them disciples and makes them disciples. You're going to be fishers of men. It doesn't mean that we're... Um, Hooking men with worms, um, I'm not a good fisherman, 
I've been fishing one time in my life. My grandpa took me, and then when I hooked him, he was like, that's it, I'm done. No more, because I hooked his shirt. Thankfully, it wasn't a little bit higher, right? I've been one time in my life, and now some of you are like, I ain't never taken the pastor fishing, right? But we're not called, we're not talking about like Jesus says, here's a fishing pole, and like go out to the lake and just, no. I'm going to make you fishers of men. I love it. It says this. There will be large numbers of fish. Verse 9. Swarms of living creatures will live where the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there. Makes the salt water fresh. What do I mean? It's simple. It means this. The more we experience this river of God's presence, the more we see his presence drawing men to us. Man, we, we live in the presence of God. We allow this river of his presence into our lives. You know what's going to happen? The weirdest thing, like suddenly people just start getting drawn to you. Not because of our looks, not because of our smell, but they'll say stuff like, there's just something about you. I'm, I'm kind of drawn to it. I don't know what it is. I want to know more about it. I mean, everywhere the presence of God goes, it is a stocked river full of fish. Brings us to the fourth thing. And, I, and I'm glad we had last month because we talked about rhythm and, you know, we're back to two services. It can be so easy to get so worn out so fast, can it? Doing, doing good things for God. So just think about this point in light of all that we talked about last, last month with rhythm and knowing when to take breaks and rest. And the river brings work. The, the, any, any of you fish? They don't jump in a boat, do they? No, they don't. I mean, I know enough about to know that. You, know, you don't just like paddle out and go, here I am. Just wait for them to jump in. No, you got to like work at it. There's fish in the river. God brings people to us who desperately need his grace. And then he says, hey, man, let's work. Verse 10, his fishermen will stand along the shore, spreading their nets, catching all kinds of fish. There's work to be done around the river. Let me just make this real quick distinction. If the river represents the presence of God, then we can't earn that presence, right? I mean, there's nothing you and I can do that makes, it makes us earn God's presence, work really hard so the river flows. I mean, so we can't make that happen. If you've ever been in a river, you don't have to understand the river to enjoy the river, right? You just get a tube, jump in, and go, right? The river just takes you. You don't have to figure it out. We don't have to work at it. The river is the river, we don't earn God's presence, but this is really important. I want to make sure you hear me say this. Grace brings us works. Work will never bring us grace. Grace brings us work. So the grace of God in our lives, he's flowing in our lives. It meant, listen, the last month here has been amazing. And it's not just because we have one service. It's because we're getting back to what we're created to do, which is make disciples. And, and God's presence has been unbelievable, off the charts good in this place. We didn't earn that. That's just a gift of his grace. And, and when he flows like that in a place like this, that grace brings work to do. But our work will never bring his grace, ever. There's a good busy and a bad busy. There's a good tired and a bad tired. We, we talk about this verse all the time, Ephesians 2.10, that 
We've been created by God to do good works that he's already prepared for us to do. Like, that's a good work. That's a good tired. You do those works. You ever, you ever done what you knew you were created to do, and at the end of the day, you lay your head on the pillow, and you, your spouse is like, how are you? And you're just like, man, I'm so tired, but it feels so good. That's what happens when you give yourself fully, when you jump into the water and give yourself fully to what God's made you to do. But there are days, aren't there, when you lay your head on the pillow, and they ask you how you are, and you're just like, life sucks. I'm tired. I don't want to do that again. That's, that's, a, that's a bad tired, right? And sometimes we, we, can, we can get that way. God wants us to be busy doing what he created us to do. And the last thing that the river brings is, is revival. So what does that mean exactly, God brings revival? What does that look like? Does that mean that we have this river flowing with the presence of God, and in the river is delivered a special speaker for Monday through Wednesday. Is that what that means? Oh, there he is. He's floating in the river. Pull him out and have special services. No. Does it mean that the river means we have really long services? I don't, I don't think so. Maybe. What is revival? And if I asked every one of you right now, what is revival, I would get... I don't know how many people are here right now, but that many answers, right? What is revival? And everybody talks about it. Everybody wants it. And usually when they say they want revival, what they really mean is make my church exciting. Right? So bring in a really good speaker for three days. Pump us up. I don't think that's revival at all. Let's look at the, the end of this. Verse 12. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Now, I'm kind of, this, I didn't read a commentary that said this is what fruit trees are, but this is what I feel like the fruit trees represent. I think that you've got, you've got this river, and it's the presence of God, and you've got fish in that river, and there's work to do to catch those fish, and you've got fishermen on each side of the banks, and I think that's all of us as believers making disciples, and then you've got these trees that are always bearing fruit, and I personally believe that the trees are churches. They're always bearing fruit. And, and what revival is, is not a church bearing fruit. It's churches bearing fruit. Revival happens when all the churches in our area are bearing fruit. What's crazy is that Ezekiel writes this. Every month they will bear. Their fruit will not fail because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Well, what does that mean? I'm ask you a couple questions. And I'm just asking, okay? I don't have an agenda here. I'm just asking. Right, because I know where God's taking our church. I, I can see it. I mean, it's so, it's so clear, the people that God's bringing to our church. Let me ask you this question, and don't answer out loud. Just maybe answer to God honestly. Is the salvation of our city nourishment to your soul or a nuisance to you? Because here it says that when the river's flowing, that the salvation serves as fruit and food. What is, what is fruit in a church? Trees are growing. Our church is growing. What is fruit here? Is fruit um, that Phil gets signed to a, a record label to produce worship music? That'd be awesome. 
But no, that's not fruit. It is fruit um, when Zondervan calls me and says, dude, I don't know how we didn't hear about you before now, but you need to write a book, and we're going to pay you six figures as an advance, and write it, and we'll sell it. No. I mean, that'd be awesome, but that's not fruit. What is fruit in the church? Disciples. Fruit in the church is disciples. And so when, when, when people are being saved and brought into the kingdom and they're being discipled in their faith and they're growing to where they become disciples who make disciples who make disciples, that's fruit. And the question is, because as we're learning, that's a long process, isn't it? It doesn't happen overnight. And the question is, when people who are far from God come near God in Christ and they don't look like us, they don't act like us, they don't smell like us, they stare at words and don't sing them, they don't like Bible verses, they might actually say cuss words during testimonies. When that kind of stuff happens, the question is this, is that going to be nourishment to your soul or is that just going to be a nuisance? Because as long as the salvation of lost people is a nuisance in a church, we're nowhere near revival. But when a church starts to say, that nourishes my soul to see lost people redeemed. And then other churches around that church start to have the same thing happen. And all the churches become trees on the side of a river that are always bearing fruit and fruit that lasts. That is revival. Can you imagine living in Albemarle like that? What would that look like? If out of 16,007 people, we went and talked to people, and almost everybody you talked to was talking about Jesus in good or bad terms. <laughs> they were all like, yeah, some church called me. I'm, I've been going there. And suddenly, like, I'm going to pastor's meetings once a month. Because, you know, pastors, they, all, they love talking about numbers. What is that about pastors? Can you imagine sitting at a pastor's meeting and somebody saying, well, how's church going? And usually it's really just quiet because nobody wants to say, terrible. <laughs> Can you imagine if every pastor was like, I don't know what's happening. Like, we're packed. I've got testimony every week from people in my church. They're talking about like someone on the job that got saved. I don't know how to handle all this. And, and, and then the next pastor, same testimony. And then the same testimony all around the table. I'm not on, monthly, on a monthly basis, I'm sitting with like 15 to 20 pastors. What if all 15 to 20 pastors said that? And no one church could go, well, we're doing great. Sorry, you're not. That's revival. And what I want you to see is this thing that God's doing in our church, it's not for our church. It's for our city. When's the last time that you really, truly rejoiced because another church was producing fruit? I mean, that's revival. That's revival. So what do we take from all this? What, I mean, what's the takeaway? Let me give you a big idea from this passage, okay? Because now, look, we talk about church, um, church backgrounds and histories. I am, I've told you I'm a church mutt, right? So um, I grew up Methodist, and then, like, then I was Baptist, and then, like, kind of Presbyterian, and my parents made me Pentecostal, and I, I've been all over the place. I'm a church mutt. I don't know what I am. But I know this. Depending on where you come from, like in the Pentecostal churches that I've been in, like they love to talk about deep stuff, right? Oh, let's just go deep, man. Let's just go deep. Let's go into the river and just wade around and splash and have fun and never come out. I don't think that's the point. Because what I know from John 
is Jesus said that we're not supposed to be in the river. The river's supposed to be in us. Right? So here's why God takes us deep. God takes us deep so we can go wide. That's why he does it. Do you see what he did in Ezekiel? He took Ezekiel deep, and Ezekiel's like, dude, this is fantastic. Like ankle, knee, waist, over my head. I just want to like get some swimmies in a raft and play. And the angel's like, uh-uh-uh, come back with me. There's stuff to be done now. There's, there's souls to be won. There's work to be done. There's revival to bring to a city. I mean, I'll let you go back in every now and then. We can play around a little bit, but there's stuff to be done here. I've taken you deep so that you will have the river in you to go wide. And here's how this works. I love this. Right now, you might not be able to say that loud, but you may already know where you're going to go eat lunch. Do you? Have you already picked out a restaurant? Like, I'm kind of way in between Zaxby's, Mexican, maybe some CC's. Maybe I'll go get some sushi. But if you know where you're going, guess what's going to happen when you get there? You are taking the river there. See, like when you walk out the door here, the river doesn't like form a puddle here and wait for you to come back. Poor, sad, lonely river. God's just like, I wish I could get out of here, but I'll just have to wait till they come back so we can have fun in the river again. And you come back next week, and boom, we have it again. It's like everybody's having fun, splashing the river, and you all go away again. No, 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 the river is in you. God's presence is in you. And so you go out of here, and you're sitting at, your, at lunch, and you're talking to the server, and the river is affecting the server. And what have we learned about the river? Everywhere the river goes, there's life. Everywhere. Everywhere the river goes, you get to carry the river with you. Out that door, you get to go make disciples by taking the presence of God that's in you to them. He takes us deeper so we can go wider. Who are you touching already every week? Wait, let's rephrase that. That sounds so weird. <laughs> I'm touching you. <laughs> Who's already involved in your life every week? Let's just name some, right? Coworkers, right? Um, boss, neighbors. Well, okay, I won't take it for granted because sometimes we're not involved in the lives of our neighbors yet. We're learning. But maybe your neighbor, um, parents of, parents of your, your kids' friends who are on the same team and you sit at practice and watch them play. Um, you're around, have you noticed, you're like around the same people almost every week. Have you noticed that? There's this rhythm to your life. See how suddenly those are the people that you've, God's brought around you. Because you've got the presence of God in you. And you get to carry the presence of God to them. He's brought those fish to you. And now everywhere you go, you get to take the presence of God. And you get to give life. And we sang about that this morning. We get to give life. So here's the takeaway. Take life to dead things this week. Like this feeling you get on Sundays, this presence of God, I'm begging you, don't leave that here. Take it out the door. Like carry it with you everywhere you go. Make your win every week when somebody walks up to you and says, I don't know what is about you, but there's something different. 
And not because you actually are different, because some of us are really weird, but like there's something different about you. Make that your win. Take that life you have. The presence of God starts small, grows inside of us, and spills out into our city. Take that with you this week. God takes us deeper so we can go wider.